here's the, here's the reason some of you feel that way when you come in here is because you're just tired. Um, and I know I talk to a lot of you guys and gals and many of you, you're in week four of school now. It's like it's the grind, right? And it is tough sometimes. Many of you, some of you, you got all kinds of open time. Some of you, it's like you wake up at 6 a.m. and, you know, you're at school working out maybe or you're working out somewhere else or you got to practice in the morning and then you come to class and then it's like, you know, class grind and then you got two hours of school work after you get back from practice and try to squeeze in a meal and then you're going to bed at like midnight or two o'clock because, and for some of you, it's like you're not doing anything but just work all day. The average American, it says, spends probably one-third of their life working. One-third of their life working. For some of you right now, uh, when school is in grind mode here, uh, it's probably like 70% or 80% of your life. Am I right? Like just working for those of you that are especially involved. So I thought, you know what would be really good is just to have a conversation about what that does to you and how we can maintain our spiritual lives in light of that grind, in light of the fact that, like, also, um, if a third of your life is going to be spent working, it might be a good way to think about how can that be something that is not something you get through or serves as a means to an end of something else, but also something that actually might be beneficial to you and maybe even enjoyable, maybe even spiritual. So, with that being said, uh, I also had a, just a brief thought. It's very interesting to me. We think of like the Garden of Eden and we think of paradise. And we think of relaxing and we think of things like that as being like contrary to work a lot of times. And yet God placed Adam in the garden to tend and cultivate it, to work it. Uh, there's different words used for that, like guard, but it's like work, okay? And that's before the fall. That's really interesting that this work thing isn't a part of like a problem. It's actually before the fall. Um, and so you have this picture of, like, actually work isn't, like, a bad, necessarily a bad thing, even though sometimes it feels that way. So this morning, um, what we're going to do is I've invited a couple panelists. We have um, uh, Annika Verink, and let's just, first of all, welcome our panelists uh, all together. Yes. Annika Verink, Mr. D, Lydia Carlson, Mr. Welly, Mr. Ringer over here. Um, they have been chosen for a variety of reasons to be on uh, this panel. Uh, students were voted uh, by some uh, staff and faculty to say, hey, I think this person might have some things to say considering their own journey, which isn't all the same for them. And then also uh, Mr. D and Mr. Wellett, because of conversations we've had over the years about things like work, um, grades, and identity. And uh, that's why they're here this morning. So I'm going to begin by asking all of you a question. Um, how does doing the work of school, which we often see as kind of negative and gets in the way, um, and something that's like an obstacle maybe to spirituality? I want to start on a positive note to say, are there ways in which doing the work of school has actually had a positive impact on your spiritual life? And any of you can respond. Um, I'd say, especially like with Bible classes, especially when you're kind of like forced to go like into the Word and like read the Bible and engage with uh, what God's words are and like what he has to say I think uh, that work is especially important I know for me that's been like really meaningful and it's like um, helped my spiritual journey along the way just really getting into the word because with that like if that wasn't homework um, probably wouldn't be like my top priority like I mean it should be but it realistically it wouldn't 
So any of that's like required in homework, I feel like those Bible classes really make me uh, just kind of be with God and be in the Word. I think that when you're working on trying to learn really hard materials and you get through all that really hard, grueling process and you get that reward of the knowledge and the power and the beauty you get to experience, that kind of, to me, that shows you what it's like when you're able to really work hard at learning the Bible and learning about God's creation. You are able to see your rewards when you're working in school and then you're able to do that in your spiritual life as well, and you know that you're going to get those rewards because you've put in that effort, and you know what it's like to have that motivation and that determination to get to your final goal. I look at many of you uh, students, and I, um, I admire you. I, 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 I envy you in certain respects. I, when I was a student in high school, I, I, I just didn't know how to work. I just couldn't. I, I, uh, I'm not saying this about you, but I was lazy. Um, I give everything kind of the old Olay effort, kind of like, oh, all right, that was that was enough, right? And I, my grades kind of reflected that, and I got through college on my ability to kind of just more or less kind of bluff my way through a lot of classroom conversations. Um, and the funny thing is you can't bluff your way through a job you know, uh, I, got, I found that out in the real world. You know, I tried to sort of use my old classroom skills of being quick on my feet or whatever and kind of bluster, bluster my way through things. And, and yeah, I got fired. I just got fired for my first job about six months in because they're like, dude doesn't show up. He doesn't show up on time. He calls in sick way too much, right? And he kind of cuts out early and he takes extra long lunch breaks. And I just, I was lazy. I just, I didn't know, I, I didn't know how to like really keep that engine churning. Um, I, uh, it was really humiliating, you know, uh, and there was some other mental health stuff thrown in there, but there's no doubt the pattern in my life was an inability to find like third or fourth gear. I was just sort of stalling in second gear through life, just sort of like going and moving along, but not really applying myself to much. And it was around the same time that, that, I started earnestly trying to follow Jesus, that I was also, that I started to engage with this idea of maybe I, I should be a teacher. Um, and a key piece there was I found a, that was a, a vocation, right? That was like a, something where God was finding something that was, I, that matched my skill set and what I really cared about with work that, that was going to be useful and good and a blessing in the world if you do it well. Um, but it, it took, it took me, like, really getting humiliated. And if you want, like, I could keep going on the humiliation thing, but I don't want to use up everyone's time, but, like, I could just go on and on about how many times I got embarrassed with my inability to work before um, things started to lock in place for me. I was, like, 23, 24, 25, somewhere in there. It took way too long. And then the funny thing is, when I found this ability to do that and when God started to when I, I found this ability to like really step, ish, step into the flourishing of work, like Mr. Goldie's talking about, where it's like God has work precedes the fall because it's part of God's intention and design for us that we, that we work, that we lean into difficult things and that we grow through that. And I just found like, I, I felt like I as a person was finally coming online. It was, it was really energizing. Um, and there's challenges with this. Work can become an idol. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, in a bit. But like, 
for me, the positive thing was I, I really feel like I just never had really flourished as a person until I figured out my ability to work and, and what that looked like and what that felt like for me. I really scuffled for a long time, and so will you, by the way, if, if, we, if you can't find that way to hit fourth gear in life, if you can't find those moments where it's like I really have to push and apply myself right now. Um, occasionally I'll throw in a comment or two here as well, but I know that I, I think about my own high school experience, and I would say um, one thing that was really positive for me, um, it's, it's interesting, but I think about actually what um, math class, and I remember thinking a lot uh, and challenging, like, you know, what's the point of math class, and what is this about? Even though I, I actually enjoyed it, um, I really liked math, I still do, um, I found over the course of time and years that there was something happening in my, not just my work habits, but actually in my mind, in my brain, in the way it actually operated, that it was becoming a little more like, well, organized. <laughs> and I was gaining the satisfaction of uh, solving problems and realizing this that like maybe I'm wired for that, not just me, but like maybe we are wired for that. But I think who I was becoming just in the mental workings of my brain actually did have really positive spiritual impacts. It impacted the way I thought about scripture and other people and life. Um, it was not necessarily about the subject of math. It was about what, what I found it to be doing when I did the work. It was actually changing me into a certain type of person, um, and I found that to be a very positive impact. What about, um, let's go to the negative side a second for uh, a bit, about doing the work of school. Maybe how has it had a negative impact on your relationship with God? So opposite to Mr. Welly, as a kid, I kind of made academics my whole entire life. I, I would definitely classify myself as a tryhard as a kid. And I think I definitely put my identity in that. And whenever I wasn't a perfect student or I didn't get the best grade, I definitely just kind of let my whole world fall down. And that's not a very steady identity to keep yourself in. Um, I actually heard a saying the other day. It was, if I am what I do, what am I if I can't? So it's kind of like if this one day you just can't do what you're known for, is your identity just going to crumble? So I think when you put too much of your effort into almost like, I guess, the grades part of work and not the learning and the growing and the failure, and you don't accept that as like something that you're going to be better from, um, that's when you you kind of crumble in your identity. And I think you need to put that in something strong and something that's always going to be there and that's never going to fall on you, which is Christ. I think in particular working at a Christian school, I think doing the work of school as I interact with so many people and staff here and spend my days in a Christian environment, I think the biggest danger for me and for many of you is that it feels like that's sort of satisfied my spiritual journey for the day. And it, it, it creates in me this sort of passivity when I go home of, okay, I've, I did my work, I've done the spiritual journey for today, so now I can just disengage and read a book or do whatever else it is that I wanna do um, and I, it, it's, it's a struggle constantly that you got to fight. It's just like, no, I need to re-engage with Jesus in a personal, not a communal way all the time, but in just a personal, just me and him. Otherwise, I find myself just getting very passive in my own spiritual journey because I just feel like it's been accomplished here. 
Um, I agree with what all you said. And just like a quick comment, like um, I find myself like for a test, just really getting stressed and worrying about that and letting that kind of control my life. But like in the end of the day, when you look back, um, like you're not going to be mad about like a test you took in like bio or math. You're gonna, you're you're not going to regret that. You're gonna re you're not going to regret that. But what you may regret is not like spending time with God and like being uh, really with Him. Uh, when you're doing other stuff, like you're gonna regret that time that you kind of missed when you were doing, letting academics and work kind of control your whole life. Yeah, I think if you let your workload pile up too much, or if you just don't, you're not intentional about when and how you do it. Kind of like we were saying before, it doesn't ever put you in a mindset where you're prepared to like be thankful, be grateful put aside time for God because if you're just cranking homework at like 11.30 at night because you've been doing something else all day, um, I think that that definitely negatively impacts your um, relationship with God. I think work, um, I'm someone now, I'll just fl come out flat and say it, I, I, I like work. Um, I, that's part of my story now is that I I found that I like and enjoy it. It's something where I, I really have to grapple with it because it can turn into an idol for me. Um, where it can be really negative is when you, when your work, sort of like Annika was saying, your work becomes who you are. Uh, if you're a student, if you're a learner, like we're all in the business of learning here where it's like I work to possess knowledge or these things that I've, I can do or these things that I, this lesson I built, you know, about the Chinese and the Greeks that we just did in our AP class, that's mine. And it becomes a thing that like fuels your own ego, right? That's like another grade I can deposit into the me bucket, right? And I'm doing this and you become like the, the rat in the, in the machine that like hits the, you do the work so that you get this like ego boost. That's really dangerous. That can become really warping if we don't have our sense of like the larger purpose of what we're up to. I mean, honestly, guys, that's sometimes when I share in my class like what, what my deep hope purpose in class is for, I'm reminding myself, this class ain't for me, right? I'm not doing this work for me, and I'm not setting this up so it's nice and efficient for me. There is like a purpose for this that is trying to honor God and build into the kingdom, right? Like, and so like keeping that perspective there is key because what can totally happen, totally happen, is when we get good feedback on our work, we can too quickly allow that to fuel our ego, which is, has a deforming effect on us, right? That is spiritually damaging, and we don't have that in, in proper perspective. It is a challenging day-to-day kind of struggle, um, and it's one, I, lots of conversations with my wife and I about that. We're, I'm just, she's kind of my accountability partner in this, right? because she's not impressed with my work, and <laughs> she's like, you work too much, and so we're always kind of talking about to what extent am I keeping that in perspective, and it's not just becoming something that's fueling my, my own sense of accomplishment or something. Well, yeah, just adding on to that, I think when grades are kind of your fuel, like, that's like your joy, if you're getting, like, it's kind of like, almost like money in a way, like, you, it's, it's more money when you get like an A, and you just get so much more happy and happy when you get the highest grade possible, like, that's just, that's not going to be your life. Like, in, in your job, you're doing your job to, for, like, for your family. Like, yes, that's money. But, like, I think in school, that's allowing yourself to get 
an intake of joy from something that's not gonna last you a long time. Knowledge is gonna last you a long time, and learning, and the want to learn, and the want to grow, and to become better, and willing to fail, that's gonna last you a long time. That's gonna get you a job. But having your joy intake be from grades and from something that you're not gonna continue to have the rest of your life, that's not dependable, and that's unhealthy, to be honest. Mr. Welly made a great point about is it that you want to possess knowledge? The question I ask myself a lot is, what is it that I actually love? Do I actually love what is true and what is real in life, or do I just love being right? Which one is it? And honestly, a lot of times, I just love being right. Unfortunately, as a math teacher, the majority of my time, I'm right. (laughs) We're happy for you. (laughs) I do occasionally make mistakes, and the students point them out, but, you know, I find in my own heart the struggle just, is this what I love about math, is that I can just be right all the time, or do I actually love the truth that it brings to the world, the ability to explain and to model all sorts of different things, um, and that's always been a challenge in my life, because, I mean, even as a student, there was nothing I loved more than raising my hand and telling the right answer, loved it. And I wanted to do it all the time. And I love the acclamation of my peers as they were like, oh, I didn't know that. Um, and it was very self-satisfying. Um, in, in, you know, as, as I get older, it's like some of those residual effects are still there. And it's like, you know, loving the truth is directly correlated to like a relationship with Jesus. And the funny thing about The funny thing about possessing knowledge is that when you're right all the time, it's actually a direct impediment towards actually learning more things. Because when you're so used to being right, you don't think you have anything left to learn. And the reality is there is so much left to learn. There's so much room to grow. And you just end up thinking, oh, nope, done, got it. You know, let's move on. A real quick check-in that I think might be useful. I think about it from time to time is if you're engaged with the something you're doing in class today, uh, or when you're doing your work this evening, whatever you got. Ask yourself, when you're in that mode of like, I'm kind of into this question, or this, I'm really curious about this, or I really want to get to the bottom of this, or this project I'm working on in art, or this project I'm working on in Mr. Shelton's class, I, I'm, I'm, I'm into this, and I want to sort of, this thing in and of itself, I want to get to the bottom of it, I'm curious about it, I want to understand it, you're probably in a good formative place where this is, this is part of your flourishing, where you're in a good place with your work. And if it's like, I have to do this, this is for the grade, right? I'm doing this to check off somebody else's box to get someone else off my back. And the accompanying narrative, that you're t- the meta-narrative you're telling yourself about that, there's like a yellow warning sign of like, you might be in a, in a deforming spot with, with your work here. This might be doing some, some internal damage here um, if, we're, if, we're, if we stay stalled in that place. So to the extent that we can find ways where we remain curious and we're pursuing these things in and of itself, that's beautiful. That is like what we're here to do. That is, I mean, that's like a, a major part of, of, of God's intention for us, right? Um, it's, always, it's not easy in seven, eight classes. I get it. You're not going to live there all the time. But when you're in that spot, that's a good place to be, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I would also say make no mistake 
people that um, when I when I and this comes from my own examination. Uh, what's interesting about working in with you guys in high school is it constantly makes me and actually some of my coworkers are good about just reminding me, hey, reflect on yourself. Like I'm constantly revisiting uh, high school, <laughs> and in, in a way, I probably if I had other jobs, I wouldn't have. Just watching you guys and it, and it brings back memories, but also just intentionally thinking about like what was I like, and I think. Um, I look at the trajectory that my life went on post high school and so many of my habits, some good and some bad, were totally the habits I established in high school. And it, some of them, it, it took years, and I'm talking like way after college, until I actually got to a point where I was able to change them. So I just want to reiterate that, make no mistake, the habits that you form, I'm not saying you're dooming yourself for life <laughs> if you're apathetic or if you're lazy. Um, but I would say for myself, when I was those two things, they impacted me for a long period of time. And it, looking back on it, I'm sort of surprised. Like, wow, actually, um, like high school, those years mattered significantly in how I um, did every other aspect of my life. I formed a lot of habits that formed ultimately my character, which formed, in a sense, a type of destiny that... Um, some of those I, I still struggle with because of some of those habits and patterns of, of just work and, and um, not working or attitudes that I would have going into a space and saying, lame, this is going to be lame. And if I did that and my friends encouraged that, um, then I, that, ca that actually carried over into other areas of my life that was really detrimental. And if I dove into something with that curiosity and that interest, it was like, oh, man, um, that carried over into the rest of my life, too. It's really interesting. Um, and so, especially when it comes to, like, my spiritual journey, I, I think there was a little bit of, um, in certain areas when I was apathetic, I felt it not just, like, in my body where I just kind of felt listless and whatever, but, like, in my soul. There was just a, a lack, like, less of a care that I was feeding because what, what we feed kind of grows and what we starve dies. Um, so work um, – itself, how would you, and some of, some of you guys have alluded to this, how do you actually know what would be indicators to us that like, whoops, I made it my identity. Um, and it went from like something that's good and satisfying or maybe something I'm wrestling with to like, no, this is like who I am. And again, it could be schoolwork, could be jobs, could be physical labor for us, but like, how would I know in the end that like my, my work, my performance, the thing that I'm actually doing is who I am? What do you think? Um, like kind of like what we all said, like if that's just your whole life and you're just spending um, all your time into that work and just like Annika said, like if you're just doing the work and like feeling like a satisfaction of a grade, I mean we all fall into that category because we all try to um, get the best grade. But if that's like our whole goal in school and stuff, um, that's just really not healthy, and especially here as a Christian school. Um, our goal is not, like grades of course are important, but our goal is to uh, continue to develop our spiritual journey with Jesus and just kind of, that should be our priority and we should get satisfaction out of that, not our grades. Um, I would say that when I realize that like my work is my identity is I no longer enjoy the journey but only the end goal or the results of winning an end goal. So like, for sports, it's like maybe I don't enjoy the practices. I only like like the high fives or the congratulations after the game. Or like for school, it's like you only enjoy the grade, but the homework itself was grueling and you didn't actually enjoy the learning process. It's just like when you lose all the love for the less typically exciting things 
of it for other people, and you only just like that kind of reward aspect and not the happiness that comes along when you work throughout the whole process. A big indicator for me when I'm, when I'm caught in that is I start to feel like it all depends on me. I've got to do this, and I, if I don't do this, nothing's going to happen, and, and, like, and, and the thing's not going to be accomplished. Last month, I had my favorite spiritual experience of the year so far, and it, was, it started off in a very lonely way. I was in San Francisco, California. I'm in a hotel room. I, I had to speak at the school, present at the school. And I woke up at like 6 a.m. Minnesota time, so it's 4 a.m. California time. And so no one's awake, and it's just sort of like quiet self-doubt in my hotel room. And I'm thinking to myself, who am I? What am I doing here? I'm some guy from Minnesota. I don't know these people. I don't know the school. I don't know where they're at. What am I, what am I doing? Like, I, I, it was all this creeping self-doubt, and I'm, I can't do this. And then I'm like, well, I better go into my PowerPoint presentation and, and rearrange some things and fix it all up. And I'm just like, you know, so it's like, again, 4.30 in the morning, 4.35 in the morning. I'm trying to frantically fix, fix it. And I got to a point of, it's 5 in the morning now, and, and I recognized I was not at a panic, but I was <clears throat> not ready to sort of stand up and be leading a, a group of people all day. And so I just said, well, I'm going to go for a walk. I went out on, for a walk, and I ended up on a beach. It's called Rockaway Beach. It's a big surfing destination. I didn't know that. I just ended up there. And I'm there, and I'm in the, my work clothes, my kind of dopey, you know, work clothes. And there's all these, like, surfers hanging around. And I'm like, hello, you know, and I'm in my work shoes standing on the sand on the beach. And I know I just look hopelessly dopey, and it's, I'm just okay with it in the moment. And, and they're getting into the water, and it's, the sun's starting to come up behind me, and it's just, uh, it's gray. Huge waves, and it's gray. And I'm looking at the water, and then it's just these tears hit me of God saying, hey, by the way, you know, look around you. Like, when, when I do work, this is what I create. This is the business that I'm up to, God says. Your PowerPoint is really terrific, Peter. Good job in your PowerPoint presentation. But seriously, look at what you're in. Right? Look, at, look at the greater context. Look at the story that you are alive within. And you are loved by me. And being able to just rest in that and then to say, I've done my work. I've prepared as best I can prepare. I'm loved by the God that created this. The God, the, the, in the Psalms it says, the waves fear the Lord. And so it's like, I'm, I'm beloved by, by that God. Okay, I've done my piece. I've done my part. I can do this. And like stepping out of that churn, that anxiety, of I have to be the one that fixes this, that was helpful for me. Um, I think, again, the question that I ask myself is, what makes me okay? Where do I find my rest? Where do I find my peace? You know, when my head hits the pillow at night, what allows me to actually enter into peaceful rest and not be agitated? What's the last thoughts that go through my head? Is it about (laughs) what happened on the athletic field during the day and it was a moment of success for me? Or was it what happened, you know, did I learn something interesting? When I, for, for a lot of my life, especially when I was younger, I found so much of my rest and my peace in what happened in sports. I was always very small, but I was always very fast, and I could jump, and it brought me a lot of recognition. Um, 
and, and oftentimes what allowed me to feel okay about myself was thoughts of particular successes, even as an adult, when I would play on slow pitch softball teams for crying out loud, I would go to sleep at night thinking about the hit or the catch or the play at home or something along those lines. And I would, I would be searching for peace and rest from those accomplishments during the day. And that, let me tell you, is a very clear indicator that I was getting my identity from the very wrong places. Now, my own personal, I've never struggled with work becoming my identity. I enjoy work, but that, my struggles have always been in areas outside of work. And like I said, in sports and successes and, and failures, sometimes that becomes part of your identity. But the, again, the question is, where is it? Where do I seek my comfort? Where do I seek my peace and my rest? And if it's anywhere consistently, and again, that's not to say that just because it happened, like if it's consistently not in the fact that I am loved by my Savior and I'm okay simply because of him, and if you stripped everything else in my life away from me, I would still be okay because of that. When you begin to find your rest and peace there, then, you're, then you can be confident that this is where I'm supposed to be. When I let work become my identity, I insist on it being my own work. I freeze in this mentality that I cannot and will not ask for help from anybody. Like, I should already know how to do this. I should be getting an A. I should know exactly what's going on in the classroom at all times. And if I don't understand it, it's my fault. And I cannot ask for help because it needs to be my work. So. I think that is a clear indicator that it is sometimes becomes my identity and that pours into my my Christian life as well in that I don't want to let God help me sometimes so I think that that's a problem sometimes <laughs> we'll work on that I think I've honestly been a lot happier um, the past couple of years um, and everything that I typically would pour myself into, into my work. Um, when I just, whenever I'm struggling, or even when I'm extremely excited, I just instantly think big picture. So instead of thinking, oh, I just got that kill, or I just scored really well on that test, I just, I think, like, extremely broad. Like, God created the world, and you got to walk outside and be in the sunshine today. Like, you got to have and experience love by seeing one of your friends laugh at a joke or something. Like, I, I just, I try to make sure that it's not about me right away, because I definitely fall into the same trap as Lydia, is like, I'm not willing to ask anyone for help, because then it's no longer all of my accomplishment. It's someone else's, because they helped me. Um, but like, when I go big picture so quickly, it, it instantly brings my mind to gratefulness for something that I did not do. Because, for example, like, if you do well in something in sports, I instantly want to go and think and great, be grateful to my team because there's no chance I'm going to get a good kill or a good hit or whatever without my setter, without my passer, without my server. So it's, that's something that definitely has helped me. That's like any advice I would give to someone who's going through what Lydia said, especially since I do it as well, is just remember to be grateful for those who got you there because once you stop being grateful for them, you won't notice them and they might stop doing it for you. 
that went quicker than I anticipated, and we are out of time. Uh, and I had other questions concerning these mounts, but I think there's a lot to chew on there. Let's, uh, first of all, thank our panelists this morning one more time, and then I would like, I would like to uh, close our time in a word of prayer if you would pray with me, please. God in heaven, uh, you are a creator, you are a worker, constantly at work in our own lives and in our world, whether we see it or not. God, we know that you've made us in your image, and as part of that, we are made to work. But God, I thank you, too, that you love us. There is nothing we can do or not do to make you love us any less. Thank you that your love is not conditional on our success, our failure, our care, or our apathy. Thank you, too, that, God, you are a God who is present with us, who picks us up when we fall down, who encourages us and gives us energy and infuses us with life when we don't feel it in ourselves. Thank you that you are our helper, our redeemer, our rescuer, that ultimately our worth and our value comes from resting in the fact that you love us and care for us. Help us to understand that uh, today and the rest of this semester as we continue uh, in the habits or change the habits we formed in these first weeks. We ask and pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.